Hello and welcome back to Witch Fix. I'm Sarah and today I'm going to be talking about Always a Witch by Carolyn McCullough, which is the sequel to a book that I've already reviewed called, unsurprisingly, Once a Witch. So this is the second and I think final book in the two book series. If you can call two books a series, maybe it's just two books. I don't know. Is there a word for that? Not sure. Anywho, um, this directly follows on from the plot of Once a Witch, so I would advise going to listen to that episode first if you haven't already because otherwise you're going to understand exactly dick all of what I'm about to talk about. So I ordered this book straight after finishing the previous one. I really enjoyed the previous one. It flowed very smoothly. It was a very quick read because it was so suspenseful and thrillery and it also had some interesting new ideas about magical lore and things like that because it had its own internal rules. I found it a lot more absorbing than other books where they're just kind of using the same things which tends to be wicker but with actual magic powers on top of that or um, something that is very similar to Charmed and Sabrina the Teenage Witch and various other things where it's just sort of pointing magic. This has a, a new system and at the end of the previous book Tamsin the main character found out that she had a talent after believing that she was talentless all these years and your talent is your own unique power as a witch Hers is that she can negate and after three attempts at using that power on her, she then absorbs that person's power and can use it for a short time. Um, I don't know how long that is exactly. It's never really clarified. I think it's just a number of weeks. So a fairly good amount of time, but she does inevitably lose those powers. Now, in the previous book, uh, Tamsin was concerned with the demeanor which was a magical clock device that had been formed to steal the powers of the knight family and the knight family were basically evil witches who her family had suppressed years ago but one of their descendants in her time had hatched a plan to have them return to their former glory and this was a bit of a problem because they were blood drinking psychopaths who stole the talents of other witches and also sacrificed humans so that they could have eternal life so not great guys now, time travel was kind of a surprising element in the first book. I didn't know a huge amount about the first book when I dove into it. But obviously in the second one, I was aware that they could time travel. And the majority of the book does actually take place in the past. Tamsin travels back in time to before the formation of the Domina. And she is basically trying to stop the guy from her time making contact with the Knight family and telling them what her family plans to do. But she also needs to speak to her family to make sure that when they make this magic clock thing, it actually works better than the one in her time, which has been unraveled and rendered kind of useless. So it needs to be made a lot more fortified and a lot stronger. So Tamsin travels back to the Victorian times and is very swiftly, through a number of coincidences, uh, ends up working in the night house. And that's basically where the majority of the plot takes place, is her trying to unravel this mystery of what's going on with the knights and how she can get her family to stop them. And along the way, there are various revelations about what her family's actually like, what the knights are actually up to, who is responsible for their evil actions, and the level of evil that they have been involved with. So there's some more information coming out about them and that drives the plot along quite nicely. Unfortunately, I think this one suffers from being the second book in the series because while the first one was very interesting to me and I therefore read it quite quickly, this one was basically treading over quite a lot of the same ground. It was at the beginning just rehashing the events of the previous book 
uh, talking about what had happened previously, going over Tamsin's relationship with Gabriel, who she started going out with, and redefining the relationship she has with her parents and her sister. And going over, again, her grandmother's prophecy that Tamsin's going to be playing a role of great importance with the family and Tamsin wondering what that could all mean. So that felt a little bit repetitive and it was a bit boring to read. I took this book away with me because I was on a one night stay in a different city for a witch event, which was very fun. But the night stay at the Airbnb turned out to not be a whole bunch of fun. And in the absence of Wi-Fi and a television, I got through this book quite quickly. Um, it might be because of the surroundings that I was in that I wasn't particularly enjoying the first part of the book that much. I did read it quite quickly. I think I read most of it in one go because, as I said, I didn't have much else to do. And again, I felt like the end of the plot, the kind of climax of the plot of this book, but also the wider plot across the two books, was a bit rushed and a bit... Uh, garbled it was throwing a lot of things together and kind of expecting me to understand them without ever explicitly explaining what was going on um, it's one of those um, prophecy things sort of like the end of Harry Potter like the final book like neither can live while the other survives but it's it's not explored in such great detail basically Tamsin just has this idea on, off the cuff and suddenly understands the prophecy and doesn't really feel the need to fill the reader in on what is about to happen and even as it was happening I was like wait so why are we doing this and what is this going to achieve exactly it was just quite confusing following this um the actual end of the book spoiler alert is that Tamsin loses her talent in the process of saving everybody and then it becomes revealed that the reason that her grandmother instructed the family to lie to her and make her believe she didn't have a talent is because her grandmother knew that one day she would lose it and she would have to live as a normal person and she wanted her to be used to that beforehand and so Tamsin resigns herself to going back to her own time and being the odd one out in her family and having to keep her life as like a human person and as a witch separate to each other and her family never wanting her to go anywhere or move away from them, but also not fully accepting her. But when she gets back, because she's changed the past, the future is very different. Her human friend is now apparently welcome at Rowena, her sister's wedding. Her relationship with her sister is now much better and her family is completely off the wall and completely excited that she is going to go to Stanford um, instead of staying at New York to go to college, which is very close by. And that's all lovely and good. And I wish that had been more explored than in like the three or four pages that were actually given over to that chapter, because I feel like it was the end of quite an important character arc that we'd been following for two books. And it would have been nicer to have a bit more of that and understand it a bit more before the book was just over for no reason. One thing I did enjoy was at one point in the book, Tamsin has the opportunity to literally just kill the guy who's causing all these problems for her. And um, she finds him alone and unconscious before he's had a chance to spill his timeline changing secrets. And she thinks, you know what, I could just smother him right here, right now, and it would solve all of my problems. And usually when that happens in a book and then the character doesn't do it, I'm just like, oh, why? Because... Clearly, it's the writer not wanting the character to be seen as a bad person, and they can't really think of a reason why, in a life or death situation where they need to protect their entire family, they wouldn't just kill someone. But it's actually quite well rationalised in the head of Tamsin as she's thinking about it. She doesn't want to be a killer, and she doesn't want to stoop to the level that the knights have. But in that instant, she wishes that she could do it. 
she wishes that she could bring herself to kill this man and i think that's the difference between it being this annoying virtue signaling behavior and it being an actual character choice so i really enjoyed that and i thought that was really well done and the writing continues to be quite good and evenly paced up until the end part so it was quite a nice read and it was also good that there were sort of degrees of evil within even the evil family they weren't all irredeemably horrible some of them had made a truce with tamsin's forebears and they wanted to keep to that some of them were power hungry monsters who just wanted to kill everyone and take their powers and there is actually a character who is a good character uh, in that family and i think that's quite nice um, when i was reading because i've mentioned harry potter already i reread all the books recently and there is no real redemption for any slithering character even in the final book um harry saves draco's life twice and he doesn't even get a thank you uh, not even in that final end scene they just kind of nod at each other across the platform and you never really get the sense that Malfoy has really learned or changed his behaviour in any way. And I know you can talk about how, you know, Snape was redeemed because he cares about Harry. But that's basically all down to Alan Rickman's fantastic acting and the script writing for the films. In the book, he's an irredeemable bellend and you cannot change my mind about that. So I liked in this that there was more variety in the family and that made it more believable than just it being a bunch of cackling blood drinking psychopaths there were sort of different levels of evil and different levels of self-involvement going on with all of them similarly tamsin's relatives in the past aren't portrayed as being as good and noble as her grandmother is in the present they're very insular they don't really care about humans and they really only start to care when a member of their own gets hurt and Townsend's quite surprised by this and I thought it was quite nice that they put that in as it added a surprising level to the plot it, as opposed to it being good versus evil it was sort of the disinterested versus the slightly villainous and Townsend being stuck in the middle trying to make these really difficult decisions. I also enjoyed that new powers were introduced in the previous book Tamsin acquired the ability to throw fire and also to freeze people by tapping them on the head she actually loses the fire throwing ability quite early on in this book but retains the freezing people one and she also encounters other witches with different powers there's someone who can um, essentially cast their entire physical being into someone else's body and walk around as them and use their magical powers while they're inside them there's a guy who can turn people into statues a girl who can turn into a bird and i think maybe other animals as well we just don't know and it was nice to see some different powers for just building on the previous book and also tamsin acquires some new powers as well which is quite cool it's definitely a good follow-up to the first book i didn't enjoy it as much because i think this one was more in a fantasy place i think the the previous one was mostly set although there were brief instances of time travel in the real world in the modern world and therefore it felt like the stakes were a lot higher and that's ironic because this book is meant to be about the entire future of her family and maybe the human race itself because of what these other witches are planning but it felt like the stakes were higher and more personal in the previous one because obviously it was uh tanzin's sister who was on the line and who was potentially going to die in quite a horrible way in this one it was 
I kind of never lost my feeling that I was reading a book about a special protagonist and that the special protagonist was probably not going to die or have anything bad happen to them. The ending was kind of a foregone conclusion that it was going to go well for her. And spoiler alert again, the choice that she makes at the end is that she realises that to make the Damani more powerful and to make it stronger than it was when it was originally made, instead of using an unwilling sacrifice from the Knight family, which was the blood element they incorporated into the ritual the first time around, she has to use her newly acquired ability to go into that person's body and basically take the stabbing for her. And then she uses the healing power that that Knight family member possesses to heal them so that she herself will die. Uh, and she will make a willing sacrifice of her own blood to seal the spell. And of course, the Knight family member, being such a nice person and the only good member of their family, reaches over and heals her straight back. So Tamsin doesn't actually die. She just loses her powers. And I kind of saw that coming because if someone has the power to heal, you can betcha that someone is going to try and sacrifice themselves and just get healed anyway. See Disney's Rapunzel and basically any other film where that's happened. So that wasn't particularly surprising. I thought it was a bit naff, to be honest, in the reading of it. And it all happened so quickly that I didn't really have a lot of time to react to the idea that she would die. It's all over in about a page. So... I think I needed more time to try and buy it um, as a, an actual dangerous situation for her to be in. But having said that, I think this two book series or pair of books, book and a sequel. I feel weird calling it a series. Anyway, these two books, really good reads. If you're looking for quick, quite satisfying reads with a lot of original ideas in them about witchcraft and a really likeable, quite spunky protagonist. You could do worse. These are definitely some of the best um, young adult books about witches that I've read so far, mainly because the Wicker series and the Circle of Three series that I'm also doing reviews of, they're quite dated now and they came out in the early 2000s, whereas this feels a lot more recent and a lot more modern because it came out in 2011. So it definitely feels a lot more modern and it feels a lot more contemporary in the sense that the female protagonist is not afraid to just let people have it and to get into physical fights and to tell people no I'm not going to do that and you can fuck off which in the other two series that I've mentioned they don't really do that that much they kind of agonize about things and they're very anxious teenage girls and they keep very a lot of things inside and they feel bad and they morally analyze everything and it seems like the writers of those series were too afraid to let their protagonists just react and potentially come off as not likeable or to come off as too fiery or controversial in some way whereas in this one it's definitely Tamsin although she is making difficult choices and there is some moralizing around that she isn't the kind of person who's just going to arm and ah and dither around about making those choices she definitely gets right to the point and that's quite refreshing because when you see these sort of teen witch dramas on tv and in books and films and stuff it tends to be a lot of thinking and a lot of discussing it with various people and a lot of having significant moments with metaphor and other things and less about the actual decision being made and they actually do get made at quite a pace in this book so i was thankful for that 
I definitely think you should check these out. They're not particularly expensive to buy online. I'm sure you can buy them as ebooks as well. And there are only two of them. So you are not committing at this point to a series of like 15 different books. So you could probably read both of these in just a long weekend. And I would definitely be rereading them because they're quite enjoyable and interesting. And I like spending time with this protagonist. I hope you've enjoyed this review. If there are any other books or films or TV for that matter that you'd like to recommend that I check out, please get in touch. You can get in touch via Twitter, which is at Witchfix, and you can get in touch by email, which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com. You can also look in the description box for this episode and you can donate to the Patreon, which would be great because then I can get some more third hand paperbacks. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.